So Dylan, what did you do this week? This week, I simultaneously alienated and insulted about 70% of my dorm while getting an, an incredibly low amount of sleep and generally not taking care of myself. T-Dub Hub, your episode for the week of Monday, January 21st, 2013. I'm Eric DeLang. And I am Dylan James. Yeah, and we're your, we're your hosts yes, for today. Yes, we are. All right, so before we get started, I want to start just by mentioning a quick word about what my vision for the show is. And Dylan and I have bantered a little bit about this, and one thing... Bantered, indeed. One thing that we really wanted to focus on was that we wanted interdisciplinary unity. Mm. That, that this would be a connecting point for many different majors to come together. Amen. Yeah, um, I would definitely second that. Uh, we, in some of our early descriptions of this podcast, we denoted it as a SAMC podcast and then realized that was slightly exclusive. And we've corrected that. An interesting thing from this that I would like to discover is how each department relates to each other. Yeah. I know probably less than 10 science majors, and yeah. it would be wonderful to get to know them on a, on a newer level. And that's just synecdochal, but you know, like people in every department that differ from my own. It's really easy to know the people that you are around all the time, but it's very difficult to get to know people that you have to forcibly carve out time for. Yeah. Hopefully, so hopefully this will be um, a place where people can come and listen to what's going on all across campus. And right now we're definitely heavy in the SAMC department because that's sort of where we preside. But we're looking forward to suggestions from different majors of what we got. And this is the first episode where we're going to be including the Spartan update with Danny Grant. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, Danny. What a man. What a beautiful man. Um, yeah, I just want to I want to plug a couple Twitters for a couple pods in Robson. Yeah, it's a new thing that we've been doing mm-hmm. where we... Um, I've caught wind of a couple pods, a couple Robson pods that have started Twitter accounts. So we've got at 1L Philosophy, that's... 1L, their Twitter feed. We have lots of isms from people in the pod. Do you you live in 1L? I live in 1L, yeah. Is the distinction just left and right? Yes, that is. That's okay. It. Yeah, and then there's 3L Henhouse. That's twitter.com slash 3L Henhouse. And that's the pod of people like um, Tia, Laura Jensen, Ame, Jillian, fantastic, wonderful ladies that ha- say a lot of semi-offensive but wonderful things mm. and uh, you should read those and be enriched they're completely decontextualized decontextualized but not deconstructivist so the inauguration was today yeah go America good old BO 2.0 mm-hmm. fun fact uh, 
Obama is the only two-term president to have to take the oath of office four times, because the first time he took it in 2008, uh, very famously on live television, Chief Justice John Roberts messed up yep. the oath. I remember that. And so they had to redo it in a private ceremony later on in the Oval Office. And this time, because of a calendar flub, apparently, Is or it a, some, a Mayan thing, I, some sort of yeah, definitely Mayan influences <laughs> in American pop culture. <laughs> but the president has to be sworn in on January twentieth, and that happened to land on a Sunday this year. So, uh, good old Johnny Roberts swore him in in the Oval Office, and then they did a what they did today was more of a charade, you know, like. We're swearing you in, but they had to do it publicly, right? But they couldn't do it to, today. They uh -huh. had to do it yesterday. So uh -huh. he's taken the oath four times, which is interesting because he reminds me of FDR in a lot of ways, FDR being the only other American president who took the oath of office four times, but he took it four times because he was president four times. He had four Whoa. terms. Wow. Um, and after FDR was out of office, we then uh, had... I believe an amendment. You can correct me if I'm incorrect, but I believe it's an amendment stating. Which, which that. number amendment was it? I have no idea. It's definitely after ten. Okay. Um, I, yeah, um, and that amendment stated that a president could have a maximum of two terms. So interesting. Yeah, but anyway, I did not watch the inauguration today, but I was on Tumblr, which is basically as good as watching something, and. Um, I was seeing a lot of gift sets and a lot of posts, uh, screen caps that were kind of concerning because I think whether or not you like the current American president is slightly irrelevant. Uh, but what we can agree upon is that politics has become a spectacle beyond mm -hmm. spectacle. And we have, you know, this grandiose inauguration that the government spends millions of dollars on and there's just parades and he's, you know they're coming out in their designer clothes and they've got Beyonce yep. singing the Star Spangled Banner and it's so much and I don't know I don't know at what point you step back and you realize this man is no longer a political uh, figure he's a celebrity mm -hmm. and when we transform our leaders into celebrities we make them divine in a way we deify them uh, because a lot of times our favorite celebrities, they can't fail us. They could ruin their friggin' lives. And we still feel in some way loyal to us and, right. and loyal to them. But um, I think the distinction between American and Canadian politics is pretty vibrant because in Canada, obviously, there's not that sort of cult around Stephen Harper. Um, but there wasn't even, like, someone like Jack Layton, there wasn't even that big of a cult around him, mm -hmm. even though people loved him yeah. in this country. Yeah, it wasn't as... Um glamorous right but it seems like we've t we've americans view obama as young hip mm. fresh you know first american president to be on oprah jay leno david letterman jimmy F he did the whole circuit and yeah. because of that we i want to be very sensitive to people who disagree with me politically but we um we encapsulate him in something that cannot be broken and there was a really great article from The Onion that was published today, mm -hmm. uh, and it was titled uh, a Celebratory Drone you know, uh, Show Overhead Over the Inauguration. And it was hilarious. It was one of the best articles I've seen them write because they said after Beyonce you know, finished the national anthem, then we had some, some drone 
missiles going overhead on their way to kill children in Yemen yeah, and Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, ah, oh, look at them. Look, they go so fast, but you can see glimpses of them when you replay them on television. And yeah, it's very satirical. Obviously, it's not true. But, but it kind of is true. It is completely true. <laughs> it's hilarious how we don't care about the truth in politics. We care about our side yep. winning. Yep. Um, and that's why I'm not a poli-sci major, because <laughs> I would go insane. <laughs> I actually, um, that was one of my reasons for joining the, the theater. I think um, we're in a really uh, unique position to be able to affect change from the bottom up rather than the top down. Right. Rather than voting yeah. in someone and, and just forcing enforcing laws or regulations, we can mm. hopefully change people's hearts and minds. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I had a beautiful conversation with Aaron Caleb, who's uh, an extraordinary uh, theater professor here who will be leaving at the end of the year. And I spoke to him when I was considering becoming a theater major and expressed some concerns that I was very interested in political science and in law and in potentially going to law school. And he encouraged me to become a theater major anyway. He said, you know, what you promote is not something that can be easily digested. And the best way to go about that change is through the arts. Yeah. Um, is through influencing people yeah. through the mediums that they most easily understand. Yeah. So how about that fog? Just hanging out on campus all day. It's like Stephen King's The Mist. It's beautiful. Minus aliens or suicide. Yeah, I, I kind of, I've heard a lot of this. Some, I think it was Julie Castleman who tweeted... Um, this fog reminds me of the beginning of a horror film, but I've had a kind of a romantic view of it. I, I think it's really beautiful. I don't understand why it's is very it mystical. I, why is it here so long? Yeah, I've I don't know. I think I think it has long. something to do with the with the ground temperatures versus the, the air temperatures, and they just conflict, so they just build fog. Wow! Did you take like a science class? No, I have not yet. I haven't taken either of them yet. Oh, maybe I will learn in my geography lab next year. If anybody, if any of you remember Ashley McKenzie, she would be a fourth year now. Bless her heart. I remember heart. you. She's still alive. Sorry, that sounds like she's Sketch dead. Me Desire. Um, at Sketch Me Desire. We're giving her a shout out. Yeah. Um, she is living large in Langley, but she posted a great post on her, posted a post, that's great grammar, Dylan, um, on her Tumblr that said, do you ever think of how fog is like God's way of using Instagram filters? Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Oh, Ashley McKenzie, we love you. Please come on our show. Yes, yes, yes. All right, what do we got up today? I, don't, I should we got, do my research. We've got... Today on the program... We've got new gen interviews. We do. We have um, an interview with Amy Friggin Dower. Yeah. Of, uh, she's directing a one-act play called Words, 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 written by David Ives that will be... Uh, in new generations book your tickets now people 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 i cannot stress this enough i know you've seen the posters i know you're tired of your ra talking about it but it's coming up <laughs> and you have to be there preview is eight dollars and i just checked online and there are 86 tickets is still available for preview for preview yeah and that's eight dollars that is eight dollars yeah you get yes. um check out our blog twhub.blogspot.ca on the blog we've got links to some promo material we got links to the the box office twboxoffice at mm. gmail.com mm. we got it all and um i think that's about all we have on the program today mm. interview with amy dower um next week we're gonna have an interview with eleanor felton and sarah weiner we're gonna have to hopefully yes. get that to you yes. um by next monday before uh before it opens which previews on tuesday and then opening is on wednesday 
<clears throat> yes. January 29. Tech so, Day is Saturday. It is coming up. Yeah. And so, without further ado, we're going to go to our newest segment, Spartan Update with Danny, Danny Grant. Grant. Love that. Danny one. Grant. What? Volleyball action this weekend against the Manitoba Bisons. The women's team rolling over 3-0 on Friday and 3-1 on Saturday. They're at 14-2 uh, and two now, ranked second in the CIS behind uh, UBC. If you go to the UBC website, you'll see them with, with a, a five around their UBC banner. This isn't because they won a high five. It's because they've won five years in a row. The men's team also played the Bisons, falling in um, two very close five-setters, three to two, both nights, Friday and Saturday. Uh, very tough losses. For those of you who follow the, uh, the uh, Spartans, uh, Devin Platt had his first ever CIS start against Manitoba on Friday. Both teams will be traveling to Calgary to play Mount Royal Cougars next weekend, the 25th and the 26th. Basketball action. The men's team had a win this weekend against Lethbridge, 96-72, and a loss and a nail-biter, 93-92, against Calgary. The women's team also beat Lethbridge, 76-63, and lost to Calgary, 78-56. Both teams will be playing the Mount Royal Cougars at the Langley Events Center the women's team at 6 and the men's at 8 on Friday the 25th. Also, also the women's at 5 and the men at 7 on Saturday the 26th. The Mount Royal team for basketball, the men's are at a 3-11 and record and the women's at a 5-9. and Whereas the Spartans, the men's are at 5-9 and and the women's are at 3-12. and Men's hockey will be playing at the LAC this weekend as well. They're at a 3-12 and record and they'll be playing Simon Fraser at 7 p.m. For the T-Dub Hub... I'm Danny Grant. This is Sparta! One, two, three, four. I don't want to go to bed. I want this rhyme stuck in my head. Slip away, escape this world just for a day and have my own parade. And oh, times are trying, yeah. So, what's the point in trying? Oh, when the world keeps pushing you down, why don't you push right back and turn things around? The world keeps flipping you upside down You tossed and turned Your feet don't touch the ground You're stuck in the Down. 
Why don't you push right back and turn things around? The world keeps flipping you upside down. You toss and turn, your feet don't touch the ground. You're stuck in the Just for a day And have my own parade So my next guest is a third-year theater major hailing from Beaumont, Texas, where she did her last two years of high school. In the Netherlands before that, and before that, various parts of the United States. She is an active member of the Samsi Theatre Department. You may have seen her as Sprinza in Fiddler on the Roof or as the reigning front of house manager. Before coming around to theatre, Ms. Dower has experimented with psychology, art, and film studies and is active in student leadership, throwing herself wholeheartedly into everything that she does. You can catch her directorial debut, Words, 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 by David Ives at Samsi Theatre's New Generations, which opens Thursday, January 29, 2013. And Amy Dower joins me live in the T-Dub Hub. Hello, Amy. Hey. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. Words, Words, Words is your first foray into the world of theater directing. And what made you want to direct? Oh, well. Um, I never wanted to direct. I wanted... I don't really know why I joined theater, actually. Um, within my second year, I thought, oh, hey, I think I like acting. I'm going to do that. And then um, I was going to audition for the BFA in acting to be an acting major. And then Michelle Leifertz, my professor, talked to me and was like, hey, so um, you should do directing. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's lame. Why would I do that? And then she said, no, because you, you, uh, at the time she had my class, second year class, and also a bunch of first year classes that she taught. And a lot of my friends were in those first-year classes because I was 
a student leader for first years. So I would always talk to them and help them with their scenes. And she would always get journals back where they were like, Amy, help me with this and that. And I loved it. And then, she, so she was like, hey, so no, you're, you should direct. And I was like, no, no, Michelle, I'm really good at that only because I really like acting. And she was like, no. And <laughs> then just didn't, I don't know. Like, I think I always wanted to direct. I just didn't know it at the time. Because even when I was in Fiddler on the Roof, my story for Fiddler on the Roof was significantly different from any other characters. Like, I was a 12, 11-year-old girl. So my story was like, one day, me and my family were dancing and singing, and then these scary people came, and I got scared, and then this happened. And then, for some reason, people got married. It was awesome. And then we left home. I like America. And then the actual story is really depressing. (laughs) So I was like, if I'm a director... I get to know everyone's stories and, like, delve into them. Yeah. That's really exciting for me. Um, I've also started uh, playwriting, but just the class. I've started screenwriting because I took a Ned Vankovich class. And I like that, too, because then I can make up people's stories. So are you in screenwriting this semester? No, I'm in playwriting. Okay. Yeah, with you. Yeah, with me. But but you've taken screenwriting before. No, um, I took filmmaking. And I wrote all of the screenplays, screenwriting plays. I don't know what you call them. So you mentioned student leadership. What was your position in student leadership? And that was your second year? Yeah, in my second year, I was an SOS leader. And then I did it this year as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was was teaching the orientation group? Yeah, TW 101 or Uni 101. And so you had the theater group in your first? No, I had art students, actually. And then, um, you know, like one of them... I guess you didn't meet her. She actually became a theater major right away, and then a bunch of them just became involved with theater things. So it was pretty fun. Cool. Mm -hmm. So you you mentioned um, film directing that you've done with with Ned earlier. I'm curious. So you've done a bunch of film directing in the past, and we're actually going to link to a bunch of your videos on our blog, (laughs) twhub.blogspot.ca, so you guys can go and check that out. Um... (laughs) Uh, including, you've, you've done a lot of different videos, including a video with Eleanor, who we're going to be interviewing later on. Good, on she's the wonderful. Show. So, how is directing theater different from directing film, and how is it the same? And what's oh, been yeah. easier so far, and what has been more of a challenge? Oh my goodness. Um, well, today I had directing from nine to five with my cast for words, words, words. Wow. Um, and the first half, up until 3 o'clock, 3 to 5, I had the space, a.k.a. the theater, for those who don't know. A.k.a. Freedom Hall. A.k.a. Freedom Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but up until 3 o'clock, I just had this tiny little classroom in R&T. So I was working with them in this small space, and I had, uh, like, my cast is Clark and Graham and Mackenzie, um, and I had them, in this one part, they get scared, and so they all like kind of rushed together and I had them doing these quick uh, looking back and forth jerking movements Um, and it looked great up close when I was like a foot or two away from them and then we got into the space and I was like oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's a big difference between film and stage as a stage is everything is much bigger Mm -hmm. Um, you can get away with a lot more kind of because for example I have fake props, whereas in film, things have to look actually real. Um, yeah, it's 
it's more challenging to fill a big space, but it's also, I love it. I think I love it more hmm. because we got into the space at three o'clock and I was super overwhelmed for the first half of an hour because it was like, okay, well, all my blocking for the day is wrong. And yeah, okay, let's start over from the beginning and retweak everything. But then when we retweaked it, it was like, oh, well, just make that bigger and then hold that pose for longer and turn with your whole body instead of just your chin. And it actually made it so much more fun. Cool. Whereas in film, with, with film, I'm not really into like technical stuff. I really just care about the character. And um, part of caring about the character in film is figuring out where to put the camera because the camera is kind of a character within itself. Um, so it's it's kind of more fun where you get to you get to dictate where the audience looks, which is almost like cheating in a way for me because I'm more theater. But um, in theater, it's it's like a mind game with the, with the audience. Um, like I want the audience to look at this character and not this character. So I have to. What can I do to get them to look at you instead of you, and then switch it right away? And then it's like a battle. It's nice. Exciting. So um, one other thing that's different about this versus film directing is in film directing, you were writing your own scripts, correct? Yes. So now you're uh, directing someone else's script. Is there Has there been a big difference there? Is there like some interpretive work you had to do? Um, I like it much better because... Um, which, which do you like better? Oh, sorry. I like directing other people's scripts. Okay. I feel like I was too close to my own script because... You know, when you write a character, it's part of yourself. So mm. it was kind of like, I don't know how to tell the actor that I don't want them to say that line that way because that's not how I meant it. <laughs> it would hurt my feelings and then I was just being too sensitive. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Poor directing when you're sensitive like that. So, Also, um, I just felt a lot safer. <laughs> um, I just kept getting so insecure. When I wrote The Walrus and the Carpenter... It's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> when I, I wrote it, I uh, Eleanor directed that because she, she's fantastic. I wouldn't trust anyone else. Mm. I produced it, so she okay. would come to me for, like, are we doing this right and stuff like that. But for the most part, I didn't speak to the actors about it because, like I said, it would just it would, it would stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was so hard because I would hear them saying my words. Um, like, we used to have this line that we totally cut out because it was such an Amy thing to say. And then when I had Dave saying it, it was just like, okay, no, no man should say this word. Just, just no. So, oh man, it was, uh, yeah, it was really awkward. So hearing your own lines Mm. being spoken and directing that is really difficult. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I always second guess things I write. Um, Cause you can, cause you're like, well, it's not too late to change it. And then I always felt tempted to be like, do you guys like this? Should we change this? And mm-hmm. I, I didn't, Eleanor wouldn't let me. She's a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I could have done that without Eleanor being like, your script is great. We're going forward. <laughs> it, was, it was hard. <laughs> That's a pretty good Eleanor impression. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, words with words. I love figuring out his wit. Because then I can be like, oh, that's what he meant. <gasps> oh, oh, I see why he wrote that. And then, mm-hmm. oh, he's clever. clever yeah, man. it's a it's a witty play. Mm-hmm. Um, the play is also very, very slapstick. There's a lot of physical comedy yes. there. Um, but but it's also got like a smart edge to it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. 
My play is about three monkeys in an experiment room, and they are being told to write Hamlet, even though they don't know what it is, because it comes from this saying or that experiment where it's like, if you give a monkey a typewriter, eventually he'll write something wonderful like Shakespeare, and so they're writing Hamlet. Um, So I had to figure out why David Ives picked Hamlet above any other Shakespeare play, and ultimately it's, it's about evolution is uh, inevitable, which I don't really believe, but <laughs> for the sake of the play, it's actually brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant because the monkeys start <laughs> off and they're adorable and monkey-like, and they're like, I don't know, what are you doing? And then um, slowly and slowly they start becoming more like Hamlet. And if you think about Hamlet, he's... Hmm. Hamlet is a story of uh, revenge, um, madness, and murder, and just the worst parts of humanity. Hmm. So it's saying, like, yeah, monkeys can turn into humans. And it's kind of talking about, like, oh, these scientists are trying to make these monkeys more like humans. They educated them. They taught them how to type. Sure, that's great and all. We're making this subspecies more like us. But are they really the subspecies? Because they don't uh, do all these things in Hamlet. Like, they don't plot. They don't murder. They don't revenge. Um, As far as my knowledge, I don't really know that much about monkeys. They do smoke, I think. I saw some videos. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is a human trait, yeah. which we've taught them. Yeah. So it's um, it's kind of like yeah, it's in a way it's almost de-evolution. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to see this now. You went through a lot of scripts, correct? Yes. Um, and what what made you end up with words 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 by David Ives as your, um, your choice? I have I did not take the theater directing class, so I was less likely to get in. Um, to be able to direct, uh, I had to beg Angela Conrad over and over and over. I just I didn't leave her alone um, for a good month and a half, um, <laughs> and so eventually she said, "Sure, but pick a really short play." And so she gave me a list of all these short plays, and I hated every one of them. <laughs> and then I read words, words, words because Cody Friesen was like, "Hey, read this play," and I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, I read yeah. a couple plays that I liked. I didn't hate all of them. Um, but I, I went to Angela and I was like, hey, I have a play. It's words, 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 because I read it. And my pride was like, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pick a play because Cody told me to read it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to find it myself. And it's going to be this, like, proud moment. Like, I found this play by myself. But I, I didn't. I kept coming back to it because it was so weird and I didn't get it. And I just had to keep reading it. Um, even, okay, this is embarrassing. At the time, the characters are named after writers, Swift, Milton, and Kafka. I only knew who Milton was when I first oh. <laughs> So um, I, I really didn't get it at all. Who are the three writers? What are their full names? Oh, don't ask me that. I know Franz Kafka. I, I never remember. I think it's Jonathan Swift. Okay, yeah. And then John Milton. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I, but I read it, and I didn't even need to know who they were, really, because I got the idea. Um, playwright's really good at inc- incorporating that without you really getting it. So I read it, and I was like, oh, this is so good. I love it. And then I was trying to find more, and then Angela was like... So finally I went to Angela. Sorry. I went to Angela, and I said, hey, I found a play. It's called Words, Words, Words by David Ives. And then I showed it to her, and she had a meeting with me, and she said, yeah, when I said I wanted you to pick a short play... I meant one that was really straightforward. This is really abstract. Mm. This is going to be hard for you to direct. And 
So I was like, oh, okay. And so she gave me three books full of plays. Um, I read them all that night. I read every single play in all those three books. And I hated every one of them because I couldn't stop thinking of words or words. So legitimately, I wrote her an entire letter that said, like, Dear Angela, please don't think I'm stubborn. I just can't get this play out of my head. I know you don't think I can do it, but please believe in me. And then all this stuff. It was really, it's really well written. Angela has this saying that she always tells her class, her acting class, called Fail Boldly. Mm-hmm. So in the end of my letter, I said, please let me fail boldly. (laughs) So she let me direct. Awesome. Yeah. And I still, I planned on um, figuring out what the play meant over the Christmas break. I didn't figure it out. I read it literally three times a day and I could not figure out what it it meant. So yeah, it wasn't until um, the first week of rehearsing. It wasn't until I actually saw the actors reading it that I actually was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like, I guess I'm just incapable of knowing how to direct until I see actors doing it. But I was, I don't know. I, I couldn't read it out loud well enough until I saw them do it. And I work really on uh, in, intuitively. Mm-hmm. So when I saw them audition, uh, there was a lot of people that I felt like, oh, I really could get you to do it. But the three of them, I was like, I don't know why, but you have to play this person. And so when they all read it together... It was this, like, I'm going to sound really new age, this, like, energy kind of thing yeah. that just fit. Yeah. And then I was like, now I get it. It's about de-evolution. Okay. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for coming on. This was such a good interview. Thank you. And uh, I wish you all the best. And thank I'm you. I'm really you excited. Too. And uh, everyone, come out and see... Amy Dower's play Words, Words, Words by David Ives at New Generations opening when? January 29th. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) On your show today, you heard the song I Don't Want to Go to Bed by Lion and the Mouse. That's a band fronted by Sheldon Kazushko. You can check out his Facebook or his YouTube page by going to our blog at twhub.blogspot.ca and clicking on the links. Uh, we're also currently featuring a song called Reign of Judah by Josh Dower. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash d-a-u-e-r. If you have a rant to send us, an event that needs publicity, or do you have some music you want us to play, email us or find us on Twitter at Eric Acoustic, that's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-U-S-T-I-K. And at Dylan Dean, that's D-I-L-L-O-N.